0: Welcome back to When You Think Taylor Swift. I'm Hannah.
1: And I'm Madeline. And this week we hope you think of Sour by Olivia Rodrigo. Whoa, the crowd goes wild.
0: <laughs> yeah, we freaking do. Um, we couldn't let this moment pass without talking about this album um, because we've both been listening to it, as has literally everybody, on repeat. And there's a lot of conversation happening between Olivia Rodrigo and Taylor Swift, literal conversation between them since they are now peers and friends, and musical symbolic conversation happening between their tunes.
1: Yes. And I think it's so exciting for us. I think this Olivia Rodrigo moment has so much momentum, and so many people are making comparisons between Olivia's music and Taylor's. But I think what's really exciting for us as true Taylor Swift fans, and I dare we say true Olivia Rodrigo fans at this point too, is that. This is the first real era that we're witnessing of like the children of Taylor Swift bearing fruit Mm -hmm. and their own music that is directly descended from the Swiftian canon. And it's so interesting to get into and it's just like so cool to see like the future of poppy music and just all the breadcrumbs that Taylor laid like 20 years ago that now Mm -hmm. have infiltrated our generation and those younger than us even and it's just so cool to see and definitely worthy of having a swift themed conversation about
0: yeah i think just at the stage for this um this past week when I was at home, Madeline um, came over to my house and we watched, um, like in one night, like six episodes of High School Musical, the musical, the series, I think, which seven. I had never watched. Yeah, seven. Okay, good. Yeah, it was seven. That's alarming. And um, we
1: started at 8.30 p.m. So we had a wild night. Until we really like did. We could not. 12.30 <laughs> mainlining episodes of HSMTMTS, if yes, you're cool that with the <laughs> acronym. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which is so much harder to say. <laughs> so much harder. Uh, um, but yeah, because that's the, I mean, like, I think most people at this point are aware of this, but just to, you know, be clear, Olivia Rodrigo stars in High School Musical, the musical, the series as Nini, who plays Gabriella, um, in the school's production of High School Musical and her love interest in the show. Joshua Bassett plays Ricky. They all have insane names, weird names happening here. Um, <laughs> This whole album is presumably about their um, demise. And it was a great, I mean, at that point, I I had already listened to Sour like a lot at that point, but then. Watching it, watching the show and watching the two of them was extremely entertaining. I really also would just like to take a moment to recommend that show strongly to anyone (laughs) listening to the pod. I really don't know why I didn't watch it until now. It's where our High School
1: Musical stands at. If you're listening to this podcast, there's no way you don't like High School Musical, but um, this is the content. You've been this afternoon.
0: Emma and I caught up. We're now fully up to
1: date. I have one episode still, or no, two episodes of season two. But I so for context, I had already watched all of season (laughs) one of High School Musical, Musical: the series. Um, I watched it last year. I didn't know anything about Olivia Rodrigo, um, at that point. And I watched the show, and I was like, kind of not totally on board. But my friends were really here for it, and I listened to them, and of course, they were right, and I really liked the show. But I think poor hannah when we were watching it this time like every time joshua bassett came on screen i couldn't not say brown guilty eyes little white lies i played dumb so i could keep you that freaking traitor i just brown guilty eyes that little skeevy man and i didn't like him upon my first viewing of hsm tmts and i still don't like him (laughs) So we'll leave it there for now. Yeah, but really everybody should watch this show. It's doing some interesting yeah. things. I think I didn't really fully like get Olivia Rodrigo. I was like, is she just a Disney girl watching this? Which I think that's something I want to talk about a little. Is how did Olivia Rodrigo make this album while a, a Disney star, and it's not mm-hmm. a Disney mm-hmm. album? It's Yeah, she says fuck so Geffen many Records. Right. She says things she could never say making a Disney thing. Mm-hmm. It's not the sanitized packaged pop in the way that Disney would like her to. But again, it's it's through Geffen Records, which I don't right. know much, but I don't think that that's Disney. So I'm really I don't think it is, intrigued yeah. how she had like the creative freedom and license to make it and I'm so freaking grateful that she did. Like I even wonder like someone that people are really comparing this album too who Hannah and I both adore is Avril Lavigne and I think Avril Lavigne's first album is absolute genius like one of the best albums ever but their is- album album ever
0: <laughs> for sure yes
1: but we What's interesting is the way that Avril talks about that album as having so much studio pressure on that album and, like, them wanting her to make it a lot more pop than she wanted it to be necessarily and, like, them sanitizing it a lot, making it a lot more general than she wanted it to be, which, full disclosure, I think that the album absolutely bangs and I wouldn't want it any other way. But I just think it's so interesting, and that's, like, she wasn't even a Disney star, that Olivia (laughs) got to have so much freedom, and it makes me really excited for the next generation of teen stars especially ones under like the umbrella of something like Disney to yeah. have a path for creating their own music which
0: it really yeah, yeah it makes me think about um the Allison Stoner stuff um Allison <laughs> Stoner like has since exiting the like Disney industrial complex um now like creates a lot of content on TikTok and on YouTube and on Instagram I've gone deep into Allison Stoner um but about, like, the child star pipeline that is just, like, really harmful and specifically, like, the Disney pipeline. And so many people have talked about, like, the Disney, like, sanitizing effect, right? Like, the Jonas Brothers talking about their purity rings. Like, Demi mm-hmm. Lovato has talked about this a ton yeah, in their new, yeah. like, documentary. Also great documentary. Um mm-hmm. And although Scooter is their manager, which is kind of yeah, bummer, but whatever, that's a sidebar. Um, like Miley Cyrus has talked about it, that. It's, this is nothing new. And so I, yeah, I don't know that this is something like this is content that we will have access to necessarily. But I wonder how much of that kind of public backlash against Disney from its like most prolific child stars who have now gone on to continue being extraordinarily popular in their mm-hmm. own right, separate from Disney. Like, I wonder if that is changing the like machinations of how they control and right. you know exert power over their child stars. I also wonder how much of it has to do with this being like the like streaming era of Disney rather than like the Disney Channel original movie, you know,
1: mm-hmm.
0: umbrella. Um so I don't know. I it just I wonder if there is stuff happening behind the scenes or if not, like how this happened and something else that Olivia has talked about also is that, um, like, because of Taylor talking about her, um, mm-hmm. record label stuff, she now owns all the masters to her mm-hmm. music. Like she so was like, cool. I, you know, I know really cool. She was like, when I was making this record deal, you know, because of all this shit with like Scooter Braun, I mean, she didn't say that, but, um, like I, I, made it really critical. It was, it was really critical to me that I owned the masters for all of my music, which is really cool. And like, is also, you know, a really cool piece of this kind of, um, Taylor lineage that now these like teenage girls who are producing music, but have the knowledge and the example of owning their own content.
1: Right. Absolutely. And I think like it, do these kids just have better contracts now? Do they have better lawyers? Do they have better management? I'm not totally sure. And I think a lingering elephant in the room is like how much of this is Disney supporting too with mm-hmm. like the mm-hmm. love triangle, right? Oh, So totally. the Sabrina Carpenter, Joshua Bassett, Olivia Rodrigo, love triangle. How? Because truly from a business perspective, I have questions about how this is kosher In so far as like she is absolutely publicly flagging Joshua Bassett. Like, yes, he will be a scoundrel till the end of time. I mean, he's trying to come out with these songs, right? Just the trio of like that. All three of their response songs came out so quickly and they were all like very obviously name dropped in each of them. Like it Mm -hmm. seemed like a planned effort. And. I think that's kind of cool. Like, I don't really care if it's contrived. And obviously, it helps Disney's bottom line in that it makes these megawatt stars out of people who were like, she was on Disney Channel Bizarre Fark. I don't even know what that is. (laughs) But now she's like the most streamed artist ever or something. Like, Driver's License is like the most streamed. And now, like, we are absolutely rapt to see HSS HSMTMTS season two because it's like how the fuck are they going to interact on set but I truly am like how do you interact on set after this like Mm -hmm. I kind of don't think there's a path for them which um, from what I've read like the first half of season two was filmed before all of this stuff went down before COVID and like their breakup and the subsequent music that came from it but like how do you go back and film with him and be love interests like what it? Where does this show go from here? I, I'm so curious and I'm so tuned in, mm-hmm. but I Which really like, don't yeah. know how it goes.
0: Yeah, and I just I I wonder how like this album. I wonder how many people, including myself, have now watched HSM TMTS oh, totally since our dropped. You know, and, and like how <laughs> right, like in like a rose-colored glasses version of this. It's like teenage girl has better like control over the music she creates. And like Disney has, you know, stopped being quite as um, like white knuckled over their child stars. Alternatively, Disney is like eating this shit up because it's it's the millennial cool version
1: of like Taylor Swift dating Joe Jonas, right? Like this is way more exciting and interesting to a millennial audience. Like um, we were reading this Atlantic article Mm -hmm. Um, before we started recording this pod, and I think it was interesting because the author was talking about a conversation with, um, her co-writer, her producer, Dan Negro, mm-hmm. um, and they were he was talking about how when he was making music in his early twenties in the 2000s for all these stars like, um, Avril Lavigne, Alanis Morissette, et cetera, et cetera, the what was in fashion was to be metaphoric and suggestive and very Mm -hmm. poetic in your lyrics. And now what's really cool is to like name the bastard. Yeah. Like to be as specific as possible, like strawberry ice cream in Malibu, your white car, all these things. Mm -hmm. And who does that come from? Miss Taylor, Alison Swift. And we were talking also like maybe even who is a little bit before that, obviously she's very poetic, but very specific. Miss Joni Mitchell. So, like, this lineage is very mm-hmm. interesting, and, like, we know a love triangle sells, and it's, like, yes. maybe this is the version of the love triangle that sells in 2021 on TikTok. And the Yes.
0: Life. Yeah, we were also reading this article. I'll, we'll link both of these articles in the description, but another one um, from The Ringer about kind of the, just, like, the response to Olivia Rodrigo and particularly all of the, like, tweets and think pieces that were, like, I'm 30, like, why does Olivia Rodrigo make me feel things? Like, meh, which I was really, you know, mm-hmm. I roll at. Mm-hmm. Surprise, surprise, teenage girls are always going to be the best at naming emotions. Um, uh, but anyways, there's this... Um, yeah, so they talk in in this piece though about kind of like the TikTok effect um and about like the marketing strategy. There's like this this one line, you know, that I thought was really accurate which is whether these stories are genuine confessionals or merely part of a sharp-eyed marketing strategy is irrelevant. Mm-hmm. They're fodder content to be absorbed and dissected in social media's fandom vortex. Like totally. and this I think is also Taylor. Like these are the same things. Like these are, you know, like her right there's so many pieces here of Right. So first there's the the specificity of the lyrics, but then there's also the the name dropping the um,
1: breadcrumbing diary
0: entry songs, the breadcrumbing. Right. The And I think Olivia Rodrigo has very astutely shifted what Taylor did into one that fits really well for Twitter, for TikTok, for like, you know, think pieces for like general consumption on consumption on consumption. Like you want to eat it like candy and you want to like read about Joshua Bassett and you want to figure out when they broke up and you want to like know what happened here and you want to know about his white car and like mm-hmm. you know, in the same way that we were pouring over the like lyric booklets in Taylor Swift CDs and like spelling out the capital letters. Like it's all, right. it's all the same thing.
1: And I also think it's, like, impossible to parse this out as, like, is this a marketing strategy or is this her truth? Because Uh I think there's a level to which, like, a fish doesn't know it's in water, right? Like, she just loves this stuff. And this is the way we interact with content now. Like, she's on TikTok. She's out here making, like, cute little videos with Iris Apatow in New York. I just saw them make one, like, last night. Like, so fun, like, genuine teenagers Mm -hmm. and, like it might just be good marketing because she gets it. She tuned in. Like it can be good marketing and genuine to her. And right again, like I just think these are the ways we engage with content now. And I think we engage with content in this way. Thanks to people like Taylor Swift who made this vortex of fandom, who Mm -hmm. made this like literal endless mine of, of like, golden nuggets to dig through. Like seriously, the the theories right now on TikTok about Taylor have gotten like <laughs> past 2014 Tumblr level out of hand. Did
0: you see the one <laughs> that was like a screenshot of her Instagram and there were like all I can see now is that there are shadows in the grass and it spells out 8 and oh my 9 God, I did not and I see was that. like watching it like literally over and over and I was like it really does not I want to believe too, <laughs> but like
1: what are we all drinking? I saw this thing that was like the the different like text, like the background of like plain text posts that she's been posting on her story mm-hmm. saying like evermore sale through 1015 yeah, yeah. or whatever. They're like really um like uh what's overexposed like crops of 1989,
0: the 1989 t-shirt. I was like Oh my god we've really (laughs) gone off the deep end but now people are doing the same shit for olivia rodrigo like now people are convinced that she's dropping a second album called Mm -hmm. sweet because of this like partnership with sour patch kids you know the thing with sour patch kids is like first they're sour then they're sweet this is an album only with breakup songs so people are like well there has to be this like second album called sweet and it's going to be like the happier love song you know like this is psychotic like this is nuts i don't know I'm not sure tr- I think and that actually is mm-hmm.
1: totally nuts. So I, it's not that I think that it's going to happen, but I just like the idea.
0: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I love the idea. I don't think it's nuts in that like no, I don't yeah. think it's realistic, but it's nuts in that like this is the breadcrumbing, this mm-hmm. is the Taylor Swift effect, this is the like mind meld that we've all like not all, but that like people in this circle have you know like acceded to because. Taylor has done it over and over again, and like Olivia Rodrigo is a direct descendant of Taylor Swift, and so people are like, "Well, like then she is going to do the same thing too." Let's find the ways in which she'll do it, and maybe she will, and maybe she won't. But regardless, like it has infiltrated our
1: like way of thinking, Mm -hmm. and I think totally of how an artist can interact with its yes, its fandom. Yes. and with its, it, like, the the
0: triangle of, like, the artist, their music, the, the fandom. Muse. Like, yes. It's all, like, talking to each other. And I think it's really interesting because I've been seeing so many, like, you know, like, BuzzFeed and Refinery29 pieces being, like, Olivia Rodrigo dropping this, like, second album. Like, theories, you know, like, all of these conspiracy theories. Um, and it's, like, you only have these conspiracy theories because of Taylor Swift tumblers, mm-hmm. like... This is where it all is coming from.
1: I think what's really interesting, too, that I think Olivia Rodrigo is in conversation with and something that I've learned about during the pandemic and Mm -hmm. due to the rise of TikTok, but it's this phenomenon of, like, teen girls making music about their life and immediately posting it to TikTok Mm -hmm. and immediately getting, like, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of likes and streams on these songs that I'm not saying that they become like top 40 songs, but my TikTok feed is inundated with like Mm -hmm. 18 year old girls to like 25 or something making Mm -hmm. music about specific things. And it's music that absolutely fucking slaps. Yes. And I don't know How I would find out... Like, there's this song that I love called The Cause Mm -hmm. by Tommy LaFroy. I found it on Spotify. I had no clue that it was on TikTok. Yesterday, I got out on my TikTok. It's just these two normal girls, these two best friends that made this song called The Cause. But it's Swiftian, Bridgers, it's all that intersection, which obviously my algorithm is feeding me that because I like it. But it's also like, I think that is where this is happening. Mm -hmm. So it's like about... Like, am I just sleeping with your college degree? I took this specific train in this specific city. I found Mm -hmm. this, like, piece of junk on the street. Like, it's so hyper-specific and narrative and about teenage girl emotions. And to me, Mm -hmm. it's like Olivia had the resources to do that, but one step further and actually put it out to the masses. And I just think it's interesting. Like, I think it's simultaneously so amazing that these girls can get so much traction for their songs and I also think like, blow it up. Like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know how we get these songs in a big way, but I really think that TikTok is changing and democratizing music in a lot of ways. Yeah. You don't need a I record. That's deal. Totally true.
0: Mm-hmm. Like people are just putting shit on Spotify and like, right. Not all of them. I, I got one today that was like this girl who wrote a song about like, having moved in with her family in, like, January of Yes, I know that then, one. Yes, yes, the pandemic happened. It's, like, about I don't her, like, it, living at home. Fun, I don't love it either. But then just out of curiosity, I went and looked on Spotify, and it has, like, 40,000 streams or something, which isn't, like, you know... No. That's not going to land her on any chart or, like, really get a lot of traction, but that's 40,000 streams. And like, I would not, never
1: know about no. that song. How the hell would I know about that song?
0: Yes. Like, this is what like discover weekly wishes it was like this is what you know like i just yeah and and this is also you know like i'm still processing they just did an episode about kind of like tiktok and bridges and like how tiktoks allow people to listen to like the juiciest part of the song that's a really
1: oversimplification of a episode but and i mean obviously like the tiktok algorithm is fucked in other ways yes but the fact that it can blow people up out of obscurity to exactly the audience that will be receptive to what they're creating is pretty amazing. And it's pretty yeah. amazing when you think about it with music. And I found so much great stuff. And I also just like it strikes me again and again. Like I keep hearing these girls make songs on TikTok about like feelings and moments that I'm like, how has a song not existed about mm-hmm. this? Like there's one about like a summertime crush and being like, I kind of like you but I want you to show that you like me first or mm-hmm. else this isn't going to go anywhere, basically. I know uh, that one, too. You know, like, I, I'm not I'm not summarizing it that well, but it's like, how does a song about that not exist? And I think there is a level of, like, we were talking about with these, like, Disney producers and whatever who mm-hmm. are, like, men in suits who have consistently, like, called songs to be how they want them to be. And it's pretty cool when the teen girls are the bosses. Yeah. Which we saw with, like, Lord, right? That's why Lord totally. was so amazing when she first came out, like, dropping her stuff on Spotify, or, I mean, SoundCloud, and just, like, being this 18-year-old from New Zealand, breaking rules and mm-hmm. running about what she wanted to. And I think, and even we see that with, like, Billie Eilish, right? Mm-hmm. Of, like, she is so not following the rules, and that seems to be what, like, Gen Z really responds to. yeah. So I think it's also right. Like we're kind of alluding to like maybe Olivia Rodrigo's kind of faux breaking the rules, but we don't care. Do we care? No,
0: not really. Yeah. I think it's also something that I'm thinking about too, as we're talking about this is that I remember like before folklore came out and kind of like, like in the lover ish era around then people were talking a lot about like, well, what is, you know, Taylor Swift's 30. Like, what is she going to write songs about? Like, is she going to be able to create content? Mm-hmm. Like, what is it going to be like our ability to listen to this variety of niche, like detailed songwriting about like specific moments. Like we're talking about is going to be gone because like, she is going to have a stable life, Um, which like there's a lot to unpack there. But then like when folklore came out, you know, that's gotten like really positive, critical and like commercial, mm-hmm. uh, you know, um appeal. But I think there's also something happening here where like this new era of songwriters doing a Taylor Swift thing while still like doing it in their own ways, you know, also like gives her freedom to not be, she, that's not her thing anymore. It's not like, she's still always going to write these like hyper specific songs totally. And like these Mm -hmm. like songs about details and moments, even when it's not about her, as we see, you know, allegedly in folklore and evermore, but there are other people doing that now because she did it. Not that she was like the first person to ever do it or whatever, but she is now like, this has been passed and now she is doing other stuff, which like I feel really happy about and like relieved that now Taylor can be like removed from the onus of like being this variety of songwriter, artist, producer, Mm -hmm. and that can live somewhere else.
1: I think that that is an excellent, excellent point. And there's a level to like, I was talking with my friend Sarah about how I just don't think that the culture would accept a song about like a 16 year old talking about getting her driver's license with such like across the board acclaim had Taylor Swift not existed. Like there was no roadmap for that. There was no roadmap for this kind of songwriting. Like claiming your identity as a young teenager like exactly what Mm -hmm. we talked about in the fearless episode like this was the album that created a vocabulary in so many ways for teen girl dumb teen singer songwriter girl dumb and what that looks like and it got absolutely made fun of to death and was Mm -hmm. beloved to death but i mean like all of the terrible things that we think I don't know, just like all of the crap that Taylor had to deal with about being like, why don't you just like run on home to, I don't know, your like little boyfriend in your high school and put down your guitar. Like I think about so Mm -hmm. many of her early reviews, especially with country music and stuff. And I just think we hadn't seen this kind of thing. Like now people see Olivia Rodrigo singing about her driver's license and this, boy who burned her so badly and all this stuff and literally everybody is like yes queen we love you get it yeah 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 and it's just like i don't think that works if 10 years ago taylor swift didn't come around and do it face a lot more Mm -hmm. of the fire and ultimately like the great praise and that like this is a viable um
0: right and it's like it's that it's a commercially viable thing like because there are obviously like Dozens and hundreds and thousands of like young women, teenage girls who wrote music in the same, in a similar like genre or Mm -hmm. with a similar like specificity, but none of them I don't think were like commercially viable in the way that Taylor Swift has shown it. Uh huh, that's so true. There are tons of people you know I can think of who like, especially like I'm just thinking about like female singer songwriters from the 90s who did like super Mm -hmm. specific shit, like true, 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 like. Those people did not then, and I don't think that necessarily they wanted to or that was their end goal, but like they didn't have the same level of commercial success. And I think what Taylor did was created a very specific kind of like awards, like uh-huh, reviews, right. uh, like tours, sold out stadiums, like and that kind deal. of celebrity. Exactly, exactly. Like it's of like a, that like, you like,
1: could be a good girl with a sharp pen. It's like, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if like, your fiona apples your alanis Mm -hmm. morissette's were good girls they had sharp pens but they right they weren't mainstream in the same way
0: yeah and again i don't think they were like trying to no but i don't think that like yeah i think that taylor really created the path of like you can be like you can have records for, like, selling out stadiums the fastest ever, and also, like, you can write this variety of songs, and also you can be a teenage girl. Like, all of those things can happen at the same time.
1: I also think it's, like, the youth thing, too, because it's, like, all of those, like, 90s badass Mm -hmm. indie singer-songwriters, I still think they were older.
0: Like, you know, they were
1: having sex, which it sounds like Olivia Rodrigo does on this album and stuff, Mm -hmm. but, like, like, I think Taylor was so young, like, right now. Yeah, that, she was 15. Like, to sing yeah. about 15, you know, like, mm-hmm. with this sharp, like, that makes me think of, like, Jealousy Jealousy, I think is, mm-hmm. like, a new take on the high school ecosystem in a way yeah. that, like, 15 was of its time. Like, yeah. to have that really young perspective and to be so successful and detailed in doing so, that part really feels um, like a Taylor yeah. Forge path to me too. Yeah. percent. Because we just have like a Jojo. See Which obviously that's later, but like <laughs> who do we have that's young? That's making music before this. It's like Jojo. It's just these people who are really like, they can be awesome. They can create bangers, mm-hmm. but they're made from a machine.
0: Yes. And I think like circling back to the point of in, you know, the nineties and the two thousands, like commercially successful one songs were ones that were super broad really like about a generic feeling and like a sentiment that could be plastered onto different experiences versus one that is right. Like red lights, stop signs. I still see your face. And that's not even a good example. Also
1: talking to streetlights. Canon. That's Swift Canon.
0: Canon. It is.
1: (laughs) And she knows that. And okay. So I think like kind of what we want to do now is talk Mm -hmm. a little bit about some of the songs on sour Yes. And then we're going to round ourselves out with a fun game. Yeah. Of draft Love game, game episode. <laughs> part one. Yes. <laughs> we're going to do because we're going to talk about Sour, a classic, instantly iconic breakup album with mm-hmm. Taylor's most classic and instantly iconic breakup album, Red. Mm-hmm. And at the end, we're going to do a draft where we each create our ultimate breakup album using songs from Sour and Red.
0: Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this, um, song by song breakdown, um, fear not dear listeners will not be two hours a la fearless. So (laughs) don't worry about that. Um, but yeah, we just wanted to give some time to this um, album. Also, as I was going through this, I was doing a little, like, what would this be if it were on red or like, who do I see as the, the lyrical or musical tie-in to this song on red. So we'll talk about that too. But, um, yeah, let's just start with brutal. I fucking love this song.
1: So good. I'm not cool, I'm not smart, and I can't even parallel park.
0: Just so good. Mic drop. Yeah. Blammo. This one I was thinking about as both, like, in some ways 22, in some ways the lucky one. I think there's, like, a narrative about fame happening here, a la the lucky one. But also, I think this is, like, a more 22. I, I don't love that song, TBH. But, um is like a little like cloying. It it sounds like a commercial in a lot of ways. Um, And this one is like a, it's a very specific, like I am this old and this is this thing that is happening to me. And these are these things that I'm feeling in the same way.
1: Mm -hmm. I feel like I just like all through this album, Olivia is really playing with rock Mm -hmm. and punk. Mm -hmm. And also like, the 2000s, like, popification of pop and rock, which mm-hmm. I'm honestly more interested in.
0: <laughs> the Paramours. The Paramours, but
1: also, like, the band in Freaky Fridays. <laughs> and, like, Ashley Simpson. Yes. Like, when I first listened to Good For You, I was immediately, like, I texted you and I was like... Yes. This is Lindsay Lohan's band in Freaky Friday. And, like, what could I like more? Nothing. Also, like, gay, 100%. Very. Yeah, Um, But I just I think it freaking rocks and I think that's a cool interesting new thing that she's bringing to the table that separates her from Taylor and kind of brings her into a new genre and like Mm -hmm. it's really interesting to me and we've talked about this a little bit before but like Taylor kind of is an emo kid like she Mm -hmm. loves Paramore
0: and she she loved Avril Lavigne like she really loves Paramore though yeah yeah,
1: like she's good friends with Haley Williams Mm -hmm. she like loved green day she loved all these 2000s yeah. emo pop punk situations and i just think she never i don't like what's her closest song you think to but which i don't know i think to me brutal is like um i knew you were trouble yeah almost of like this screaming interpretation like i i kind of think that that's the closest that taylor gets to rock i mean she plays with rock differently on red because we have yeah. these like stadium arena rock you yeah state, like, of, state grace. of grace
0: holy ground
1: like a more um, classic I don't know what to call it like classic rock yeah. not really like arena yeah arena rock but like Olivia says I'm gonna go pop punk
0: yeah 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 I think I knew you were trouble is probably the closest Taylor gets to that energy and even then Cause that was also in like the, the age of like dubstep. And so she's also like bringing in a little bit of that much to my chagrin. Um, But I think
1: it's so interesting because I don't think we're in the age of pop punk, but Olivia was like, now we are. Yeah. (laughs) Which I think is so awesome. I love it. (laughs) I've never stopped liking it, but I don't think I can't think of any contemporaries that are really doing that. Um, so I think that that's really cool. And it really is so interesting I think like this uh ringer article that we were using or reading which was just about like why is why are millennials why is sour hitting so saliently to millennials. Mm-hmm. And it was talking about how like a lot of the things she's drawing on are things from our youth. Mm-hmm. Which is really interesting that she's so invested in recreating and stuff like that because obviously we love it because that's what we were listening to when we were her age. Um, And I just think it's interesting that that's instead of like recalling like the seventies, I think often like young people feel like they need to prove their cultural knowledge or just Mm -hmm. like the worthiness of their creations by having their references originate, like when their parents were born Mm -hmm. or having it be older, like that somehow makes it better. And I think what's really cool about Olivia is that She's so forthcoming with how contemporary her references are. And I was listening to an NPR podcast about Sour, and they were talking about how smart it is also from a business perspective that she is so upfront about like her incredibly contemporary references being Taylor Swift, Lord, mm-hmm. um, Paramore, Billie Eilish, who are kind of her competitors also. Mm-hmm. And I do think it's this really beautiful thing of being like, I'm just going to name that I like them. So our fandoms don't have to be like the Billie Eilish fandom versus the Olivia Rodrigo fandom. Like we don't need to fight because I'm openly their fan. And I think like, we'll see how that goes for her, but I think it's a really interesting model.
0: Yeah. I think there's also something happening here in conversation with everything you're talking about, about like also the kind of cultural moment we're in of the sort of um, like reclamation of, the two thousands and like specifically of like mm-hmm. women Y2K of the two thousands. Yeah, exactly. Like Y2K Y2K culture, like Y2K fashion. And also like thinking about sort of the like redemption arc that uh-huh. I think we previously got for like, you know, like you're wrong about they always talk about like the maligned women of the nineties, right? Like mm-hmm. the like um Monica Lewinsky's, like the Vanessa Williams, like the women who pop culture like tossed aside and what I think that's happening Vanessa right Wood, now yeah. she was Miss America but then she was her title was rescinded oh, after yeah. um she had nude photos like somebody like leaked her nude photos essentially and really why they were um like she was kicked off was because like one of them was kind of gay Whoa, but yeah the things you learn but I think that something's happening like right now in a similar vein of like, like we've been talking about like uh, Jessica Simpson's book coming out, talking about her marriage and like then her relationship with John Mayer, like, and the way that the public talked about her and how that like impacted her fucking saving Britney Spears. Yeah. Or whatever the documentary was called. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, I think there's a similar thing happening now with the people who Olivia Rodrigo is like pulling on and referencing of being like, these are also like I don't I don't know in the same way, is it conscious? Is it not? I don't know, and I don't really care. And I don't think you really can yeah. delineate that. But regardless, I think she is making references to things and to like an energy that is now being like, oh wait, like that that was actually cool. Like that was actually good. And like we were kind of wrong.
1: Yeah. Or like can we do it better this time around? You know, yes. like can we take the good stuff? Like can we can we take the sounds we love from this era, like the fashion we love from this era and make it Update it with all the 2021 things like more artists rights, like mm-hmm. hope to God, like more body positivity in these outfits and like not mm-hmm. the toxic diet culture that was happening in the 2000s or just there's so many examples of like, we're in charge now. Can we do it better this time around? Trader, Let's talk about Trader. Okay. Trader, my favorite. My, my favorite, favorite also. The non-singles. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good god it's so good guilty brown eyes you talked to her when we were together
0: guess you didn't cheat but you're still a traitor Wah! that also the the like background oz in that song are very taylor they're super like the like spooky you know that's very taylor god i just i fucking love that song
1: i love this song i think it is one of if not the most taylor song on the album Mm -hmm. maybe competing with driver's license, I think. Uh, And then we're not even getting to the one that Taylor's literally in. But um, I think that Trader is just a fantastic song. I think it is so successful because not only is it a great song, but just she named a thing that exists so prolifically in real mm-hmm. life, named it so simply and made a damn good song out of it. You talked to her when we were together. Guess you didn't cheat, but you're still a traitor. Like, oh, what? a whew. You want to talk about a sharp pen? Mm-hmm. It cuts and it is so simple and it's so true. And I've never been in this situation, but like, fuck, I feel it when I listen to this song. Mm hmm.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. It's so good. I love that song. I also have to say just generally about this album. um, So when I was on the plane the other day, um, Emma hadn't listened to this album yet. And I was like, all right, I know. I was like, okay, we're going to listen to it on the plane. So we each have one AirPod in. We're both wearing like N95 masks. Like it's also sitting in front of us, three rows full of like a family of Republicans, all of them watching Fox News on their TV screens, which was bizarre. Um, (laughs) but anyway, so we're sitting there and we're listening to this. Each of us have one AirPod. And I was doing just like a full-blown dramatic performance of every single song. Good thing I had the mask on so nobody could see me lip syncing. But this one I was like really I I bumped into the guy sitting on the other side of me because I was (laughs) so in it.
1: I think like I think for me that this song is the one that gets stuck in my head the most currently. Totally. It just slaps. It absolutely slaps. So, mm-hmm. yeah, agreed.
0: Agreed. Uh, yeah, I think this one and the next song, Driver's License, are both, like, the all-too-wells of the album. IMO. I think those are the ones that are, like, the most cutting, specific. I, what do you think just about Enough like- for
1: You, though? Because I'm like, I think Enough mm-hmm. for You has some all-too-well DNA in that. It yeah. does a really rich psychoanalytic portrait of yeah. exactly how she was fucked up by Joshua.
0: That's true. Yeah. I think like the the bridge of All Too Well is like there in Enough For You. Mm-hmm. I think the lyrics and chorus of All Too Well are there in Driver's License and Traitor.
1: Mm-hmm. Agreed.
0: Let's talk about Driver's License.
1: I mean, just a fantastic I don't even know song. What else to say. Great song. Talking about cars, talking about driving past yards, talking to streetlights. Taylor Swift, we see you, we love you. I also think what's so beautiful about this song is like she took this Swift Ian DNA and like made a better song out of it, maybe you know, yeah. or like made something greater than the sum of its parts, which is amazing.
0: We love I guess to the see that. Lights- if it'll be all right. They, they say, say I, don't know. I don't know.
1: That's an excellent song.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, I have, I have nothing more to say on driver's license. Yeah. Um, one step forward, three steps back. So as most Taylor Swift listeners can tell from this, so she has <laughs> the intro Taylor listeners,
1: all our army of Taylor Swift. <laughs> our army. Um,
0: <laughs> um, The intro piano and like the backing piano throughout is the melody to uh, New Year's Day. But, and I remember actually when I read before the album came out that she was like gonna sample New Year's Day, I was like, this is really weird because why is she sampling a song from Reputation, an album that is still owned by Scooter Braun? Like, I just can't imagine that Taylor would be okay with that. And what she did was she did not technically sample it, she interpolated it. Is the, um, term. So she credits Taylor and Jack Antonoff as co-writers of this song. She uses the same melody, but by not sampling it, then it's not actually involved in any way with, um, the scooter Braun machine and the, um, like none of the money from this is going to go to them, which I think is pretty cool. And again, it's just like speaking straight to the, the Taylor Swift, like own your masters propaganda.
1: And, like, it's just so clearly a love letter to Taylor with this song. Mm-hmm. Like, having the New Year's Day piano in the beginning, also just, like, so beautiful because, to me, New Year's Day is such a song for... It's such an intimate song mm-hmm. for real real Taylor Swift fans, which she clearly is one. And having, like, 1 and 3, 13 mm-hmm. in the title of this song, like, it just seems like such a love letter to Taylor. And yeah. I... I think it's also super interesting because like we talked about on our features episode, Taylor's never sampled. No. she's, And we don't know all the details with that, but I would assume that she just doesn't give permission for that, mm-hmm. Um, which is totally fine. But this is the first time I can ever remember hearing yeah. something Taylor Swift sampled. And I think yeah. that's really amazing. And again, that's like... The Madonna Britney kiss of this mm-hmm. album, like Taylor being like, Olivia, you're my baby, you're my girl, go do Here it. Here you are, do it big, baby. Uh, that's
0: really funny. Um, yeah, and I love too that this song takes right this very intimate, very tender song into like a song that is intimate and tender, but like really sad. Really
1: sad. You're the love of my life until I make you mad. I know that's, I was gonna say that exact same line of like, mm-hmm. that's another line that is so simple and makes it cut 10 times worse yeah and it's so real oh yeah. my god it's so real and when she talks about like in some kind of masochistic way
0: of I kind way! of find it all exciting uh which lover will Let's I get, get today? today will you walk me to the door or leave me crying send
1: me home crying yeah. yes I was about god, to say that exactly. Yeah, no, I saw it in your eyes oh. some kind of masochistic way like oh, yeah I freak. feel that hard. I feel this, I really feel this song, and I just think, again, it's such a beautiful, simple, smart. And when I say simple, I mean, like, really incredibly smart, like, condensation of a yeah. feeling that I think we've all had.
0: Yeah. Um, Deja Vu. This is a song that I listen to on, I press... I set up Spotify to play a repeat of the song and I get in the shower and I listen to it over and over and over again, like a crazy person. Sorry to my neighbors. I know they can hear me.
1: Um, I just like nothing's ever going to be better than strawberry and ice cream and Malibu. One mm -hmm. spoon for two. I just. Yeah, that's a great fucking lyric. It's great. Yeah.
0: And it's so and like she's Olivia Rodrigo has talked about like The bridge of Cruel Summer, the like shouty bridge, inspiring her shouty bridge. Um, And it's there, you can hear it, but it's not like an exact replica, which I think is a, a, a testament to the fact that she is like a good songwriter in her own Of her own accord, you know, like she is. If you listen for it and if you know it's there, you're like, yeah, this does sound like the Cruel Summer Bridge, but it actually doesn't sound anything like the Cruel Summer Bridge musically or lyrically. And another thing, too, about this album is that Olivia wrote or co-wrote all of the songs on it, like, Mm -hmm. which I think is cool. And especially when thinking about kind of like her predecessors of like this variety of like teenage girl pop, a lot of those, as we discussed when listening to Avril Lavigne that one time were written by other people. And like, were given to these like young women to like sing and to turn into big songs. But like these are
1: hers, which I think is cool. And I think again, that's like part of the thing And I think maybe this is from TikTok again because, like, the whole genesis of TikTok, right, is, like, you reuse these audios that already exist to create new different meaning and Mm -hmm. things. And it's not – we don't interpret that anymore as copying or plagiarism. Like, that is creating on top of – like, that's so in our Mm -hmm. just mindset about how Mm -hmm. creation works. And I think it's just so interesting because, like – Olivia very very clearly and openly is using other artists work on this album. Like we're going to talk about on the next song Good for You how she it sounds like exactly like Misery Business. Mm-hmm. And but we're not mad about it. We're not mad yeah. about it because now we understand this piling effect of like when it comes from you and it is funneled through the channel of you and you're using it to do something else that's like the greatest honor you can give an artist you like. Yes. Not and
0: like the number of TikToks I've seen, right. Mashing up like Taylor Swift songs with these mashing up Paramore songs. yes, with these, matching up like literal Avril Levine songs with these songs. Like I <laughs> cannot tell you how many of those I've, I know I'll find them how many of those I've seen and how it's not, it's a joyous like, reception. Fuck you. Like you yeah. just copied misery business, even though like those songs are pretty similar musically. No, they really like,
1: are. When I, I literally, the second I heard it, I was like, This sounds like I didn't I couldn't remember what Misery Business was called, but
0: and I think part of that is also I think part of that reception is also because, like you said, she has been so open in saying these are the people that I love. And so there's some sort of like citing your sources. Right. It's not like calling myself, like saying, like, I am just like these like this is my genesis. Like I just, you know, like out of my own independent Mm -hmm. brain came up with this shit and like built this album because I'm just like uniquely talented and positioned to create this thing. Sure. But also it's because of everything she's absorbed and everything that she's listened to and read and, you know, like absorbed for 18 years now. And so I think that's where sometimes with TikTok and with other, like with Twitter and like with whatever, you know, there's also a dialogue of like, not giving creators their due and totally. i think like that is a like a separate thing but not what's happening here because i think ultimately she is giving these creators her due she is saying over and over again like i fucking love paramore you know like
1: and like paramore hasn't been in the spotlight for a while like this is helping paramore yes although shout out to
0: hayley williams um solo album that came out last year petals oh. for Armory. it's
1: good I just think, because it's interesting, because when you were saying that and being like, this is my specific artistry and came from my specific brain, what Mm -hmm. I thought about when you were saying that, like, counter argument to someone like an Olivia was kind of a Taylor. Like, I think Taylor leans more to that side of being like, Mm -hmm. this is my specific talent that came from my specific brain. But I think that that's kind of interesting because, again, I kind of think, like, you can't have an Olivia without a Taylor insofar Mm -hmm. as, like, then people are just, like... I think Olivia's stronger and her move to like cite her sources and herald them so openly yes. is really great. And I also think that if Taylor had did that when she was first coming up, they would be like she's just a James Taylor wannabe.
0: Yeah, like she's, she's just, like she is the Dixie Chicks. Like I think she had to be really defensive and I wish that now I think now you can see the way that that defensiveness she still carries that and absolutely. I wish that she didn't in a lot of ways and I think it like is really frustrating sometimes to see her refuse to give in that way, you know, mm-hmm. but I understand why. And I I see where it's coming from, but I agree. I like that Olivia Rodrigo is now in a place and in an industry where she can say openly, like, these are the people I love. These are the people who inspired this album. These are the people whose sounds I'm really interested in and wanted to th- make things like, like that's cool. And that's, mm-hmm. So much cooler for those artists too, and for her, obviously.
1: And I think it's also like, I mean, but ultimately that's what we want, right? Like we yeah. want like it's cool that Olivia's like, I'm you but stronger version yes. of Taylor. Like yeah. that's good. That's the arc yeah. of progress we want. Also, um, just a note on um deja vu. Mm-hmm. Um Olivia said she never watched Glee. I know I saw I'm that. like yeah. shook by that you're on HSM TMTS and you've never seen I know TV. and you've never watched Glee I mean so that no. just that is a kind of an interesting window though and of note to be like she's she's a songwriter yeah like this isn't is so like- biographical
0: she is a smart business woman too. Like she's never watched Glee, but like, she knows that like saying watching reruns of Glee, like that's going to work. That's going to work better than saying like watching reruns of like Teen Wolf or whatever. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know It was the one that came to mind. Like pretty little, I mean, pretty little liars would have been a good one, but, um, but it also, I mean, right. Like that is both feeding into what she knows her listeners will like. And what works with the Disney industrial complex, Mm -hmm. like, and the show that she's literally on. So.
1: All right. Um, Enough for you. Again, I think it's like a damning psychological mm-hmm. analysis of Joshua Bassett and just the fucked up things we do in relationships to change ourselves. It makes yeah. me think of the tail line like um, I'd like to be my old self again, but I'm still trying to find it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't love this song, to be honest. This is one that I can I, I sometimes skip. Um, I think you
1: should listen to it more, Hannah, because I think you would really like it. Yeah. And so just just spend a, a few more times with it. It's not like my favorite one on the record, but I think there's good stuff there.
0: Yeah. I think if I like it, I think if I were cutting one, that is probably the one I would
1: cut. Really? Um, mm
0: mm-hmm. hmm. That's my take.
1: I challenge you <laughs> <laughs> to listen again.
0: Uh, all right. I will. All I've been doing today is listening to this album. So I'll uh, keep on going. Um, happier.
1: I think probably Happier or Jealousy. Well, I think any of these last three might be my cut. Mm-hmm. Happier, Jealousy, Jealousy or favorite crime. I like yeah. them all. I, I think they're great songs. I don't think any of them are a bad song, um, but I don't connect to them quite as much. I think Happier, again, like an amazing sentiment. Get it instantly of like, I hope you're happy with her, but not, but not as happy as you were with me. Yeah. So yeah. I like it. I think like pinning it. It just doesn't mm-hmm. cut me quite as closely as the others. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think that one, like that's
0: enough for you. Happier favorite crime, even though they're like doing different things, they all kind of hit the same note mm-hmm. for me. And so I think like yeah, one of them I could probably do without. Um, yeah.
1: I think I agree too.
0: Yeah. Jealousy, jealousy. I think is like, I think that one, and I don't mean this as a, as a dig, but I think that one, like shows her age in a more specific way, you know, like that one is very like I am somebody who grew up on Instagram and TikTok. And like that is something that takes up a lot of my brain space.
1: Again, Um, like maybe that's like the place in this world outside fifteen of this album or tied together with a smile. It's Mm -hmm. kind of that. Yeah,
0: tied together with a smile. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think it really has a place and I think from talking to my friends who are listening to this album, I think it's resonated for a lot of people. And I mean, yeah, it's a salient feeling. And again, I think, which is totally not a dig, it sounds like a teenage song to me. And mm-hmm. that's great because it's a teenage album.
0: Yeah. And like, I like musically what's happening on Jealousy Jealousy. I think that's interesting. Like the con- comparison, it, it makes me think a little bit of Lord. Also like just generally in this album, but I think especially on this one, it makes me think of, Beyond like the kind of ideological, you know, genealogy of of Taylor Swift that's coming through in this album, um, also her her vocals are so Taylor inspired. You know, the like kind of talky thing that she's doing, the various like
1: Mm -hmm, she talks,
0: the syllable stuff, like the way she is, she sings and talks is is Taylor Swift. And I think about that with this song. What do you think of favorite crime?
1: I think potentially I come down on favorite crime is my cut. Mm -hmm. I just think I can't put an exact pin in what Favorite Crime is saying in the way that I can wrap up all of these other ones. Like, I know what it's saying, right? Like, this general gauzy Mm. haze of, like, we did each other bad, but we still have something in the end, and I hope you think fondly of this dumpster fire, essentially. (laughs) But I think it's just, like, it doesn't... I can't give you the elevator pitch of this song yes. in the same way that I can the others. Um, but I like, I think to listen to it.
0: Yeah. I think what this song is doing or what this song is trying to do is what Holy ground, which as you know, is in my top three Taylor songs tries to do or does successfully. This song tries to do what Holy ground does where Holy ground is like, like, right. We were a total dumpster fire, but like that was pretty fun. And like, I still like you. I do it again. Maybe. Not in that way. I do it again. Like I don't regret it. It was a fucking mess, and it kind of fucked me up, but, like, would I do it again? And I think this one is trying to do a similar thing where it's, like, we really did... We did each other bad. We did each other dirty, but, like, I still had a good time. And, and no I just, one I don't can think do it's me as... dirty
1: like you did me dirty. Like, exactly. there is a specific, which I I totally get that feeling yeah. of, like, oh, yeah. when you meet someone who can do you dirty as bad as you can do it back, mm-hmm. there's something sweet there. <laughs>
0: We all have a a favorite crime. Um, But should we pursue it? No. No. Um, We cut it from the album. Just kidding. (laughs) Um, And then the album closer, Hope You're Okay.
1: We both really love this song. This was the first song. I think it's really nice. Yeah. And I haven't heard that much love for this song. And we love this song. I think it's so sweet and, like,
0: earnest and, like, um... Just I, I just think it's really nice. Like it really makes me think of that Claro song, "Alewife." Really makes me think of Alewife. I just think it's really nice.
1: It was the first song on my first listen that I sunk my teeth into immediately. Like when I, when I heard it, I think it just, it just was like this is a song that I immediately can yeah. get down with. Like. <sighs> I'm so and proud like, you were created.
0: Yeah. As I texted with you, the, <laughs> the bottom emoji over and over again. Yes. With the courage to unlearn all and of, all their, of hatred. their hatred. Yeah. The so holes, nice.
1: addressing you to the holes in her butterfly wings, like makes me think of Mariah Carey. Um, <laughs> always. When I listen to this, <sighs> I also just think like, to me, this song is the equivalent of rainbow on golden mm, hour by mm-hmm. Casey Musgraves. I love Rainbow. Yeah. I always love a sweet song like this at the end. I think it's like, it truly is kind of dissonant with the rest of the Mm -hmm. record for me. Like, I'm not really sure if it makes sense, but I do think there's a level of like, I lived through this insane, awful thing. Like this breakup that she lived through. And like, there are people out there experiencing so much worse. And like, I had a taste of it here and it gives me a new, new perspective on like yeah. other people's hurt and like, I hope you're okay.
0: Yeah. And it's I this think brutal out here <laughs> and I love you. Yeah. And I think there is something happening here. Similarly to jealousy, jealousy that's like showing her age. Like this is also a very like teenage song. This is like a really specific. Like, like
1: to being a wallflower.
0: Yeah, exactly. I- like, Tumblr era, like specific feeling of just like, I don't know, like stepping outside of yourself and looking at other people and being like, wow, like my sadness is so much bigger than me. And your sadness is so much bigger than you. Like, that's a really, I think like profound feeling to have at 16 and maybe like not such a profound feeling to have at like 26, but like I still think it's just really nice, and I just I like it. I think it's a really sweet song, and one I think that is also a little bit of fan service, but not in a way that I am mad about.
1: Yeah, I think it's totally the song like at her concert, absolutely with the lighters out and the fans oh, crying, yeah. and it's like yeah. a love letter to them. And I'm like, if you're gonna be a Taylor, you gotta have one of those. You gotta and have a, yeah. You gotta. I think it's a beautiful one. It's super sweet, and I think it'll play really well on tour and this I mean is, I think, a lot her to her young version of girls. Clean.
0: also you know like
1: totally like right
0: and i don't think i i think separate from the fact that i think this is tied up with her age i still think that clean is a better song overall i'm obsessed with that oh, song definitely. but but i think it's it's trying to do the same thing of just like this horrible thing happened i lived through it you're gonna live through it like we all you know share our trauma and <laughs> I address the letters to the holes in the butterfly winks. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's sour. Should we play the draft?
1: Yeah, let's play our draft. Okay. So to set the mood, I'm mm-hmm. going to read this quote from the, the Atlantic article by Spencer Cornhaber, And he says, great breakups aren't just painful. They're surreal, a space-time fissure, a smack from God, a bulletin that you're not the world's protagonist, someone who is always there just vanishes, a future crumbles into a past. And I think what's so amazing to me about this album and is so amazing about Red is they take this surreal space-time fissure that is a breakup and they put it through this prism and look at it from all these different angles using all these different musical genres To analyze this like, unexplainable, unfathomable pain and surrealness Mm -hmm. that is life inside your brain and just living through a breakup. And I think that's really amazing. And I think that's where these two um, albums both cut their teeth and how we're gonna use them to create our very own ultimate breakup album I wish we could
0: um, just put supercut on this list just oh, supercut the greatest song of all time. Yeah, so basically what we're gonna do is we've got the track lists here in front of us and we are going to alternate picking one for our personal breakup albums. When it's gone, it's gone. To fight to the death.
1: And I think Um, we're going to alternate, right? Like choosing a sour song, choosing a red song. mm -hmm. There are more red songs, but we'll figure it out.
0: There are also like a lot of songs on red that are not breakup songs. So.
1: But whatever.
0: Whatever. All right. Well, why don't you start us off, Madeline? Pick your sour.
1: Honor. Honor. Oh, my God. The pressure is so high. I think I'm going to be really sad if I don't have traitor. So even though that's not like my first one, I'm just going to pick it Strict but fair.
0: Alright. Um, I am going to take deja vu.
1: That's what I almost did. Yeah. So sad. All right. All right, Red. I am going to take all too well. I'm sorry.
0: Fuck you. You got Traitor and All Too Well.
1: I shouldn't have let you go first. I know the thing is that's so true, is that I don't think I'm gonna have much variety in my album. I know what kind of song I like and it's the traitors and all too wells. I want Holy Ground. Great. Take it.
0: Great. Okay, back to Sour.
1: I'm going to take Good For You. I'm
0: going to take Driver's License. Okay.
1: I'm going to take State of Grace.
0: That's really rude. <laughs> you know how I feel about that song. Um, I will be taking... Hmm. Oh. <laughs> I don't know which one to take because I think you're going to take the other one. I I want
1: know. Next. <laughs> Oh, I'm not using much strategy, but some has to be deployed.
0: I just want both of these. I'm going to take we are never, ever getting back together.
1: Okay. I'm going to take one step forward, three steps back.
0: You're the love of my life, Anshile. You make me mad like you Mm -hmm. did right now. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Like we're playing the board game. Um, (laughs) I will be taking Happier.
1: I'm going to take red.
0: (laughs) Um, I want treacherous.
1: Oh, I didn't think you were going to take it. Of course, I'm going to take treacherous. Oops. Okay, well, I I want brutal.
0: It is brutal out here (laughs) in this game. (laughs) I would like, I want favorite crime.
1: I want, I almost do. I am going to,
0: I'm going to take sad, beautiful, tragic.
1: Cool. It's getting lean.
0: It's getting real slim pickings here. I'm going to take,
1: I hope you're okay.
0: I'm going to take I Knew You Were Trouble. Okay. <laughs> oh, wait. I think wait. I picked in the wrong order. Yeah. I did. I'm sorry.
1: Here. It's okay. Why don't um, you take, you can have that take, and take it. you taking a, enough a, for you? meanie, yes. meanie, meanie. I was saving that because you weren't going to take it. I want enough for you. Oh, okay.
0: What Taylor song do you want?
1: I want. I guess I want twenty-two. All
0: right, you get jealousy, jealousy by default.
1: All right, I'll take her. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, I will take.
1: I kind yeah, of I'm almost think. Ones. I kind of almost think the playlist ends here because the last yeah. ones are kind of.
0: I'll take the last time just to round it out. Yeah, sure. The rest of them are not breakup songs. All right. So, um, yeah, that
1: was an exercise. (laughs) Um, Let's read our playlist.
0: Let's read them. All right. Go ahead, Madeline.
1: Okay. So I finish out with Traitor, All Too Well, Good For You, State of Grace, One Step Forward, Three Steps Back, Red, Brutal, I Almost Do, Hope You're Okay, 22, Jealousy, Jealousy, Jealousy.
0: You got some some big hitters. You got um,
1: some really big ones too. I'm like, I don't know which one of these would be better.
0: I know. Well, they I both serve think different. Yours. Means, I think. Yeah. Um. I got Deja Vu, Holy Ground, Driver's License, We're Never Ever Getting Back Together, Happier, Treacherous, Favorite Crime, Sad, Beautiful, Tragic, Enough for You. I knew you were trouble the last time. Uh. Yeah. I feel good about our choices. These are both good. Um, breakup albums we will um i will link playlists for these in the episode description so that you guys can listen and um you know stake your claim if anybody yes. listening is going through a breakup right now we'll have two we playlists ready covered. for
1: you <laughs> uh love it okay well this has been fantastic i hope we have more like taylor switch adjacent albums like this to discuss in the near future and like olivia if you're listening drop sweet we're waiting
0: TikTok 4:30.